Now, for the most important part of the whole day, as far as I'm concerned, you are about to do what I've been teaching. So, for that reason, uh, who uh, does not have their own personal copy of the Bible with them this morning? No, no sharing between husbands and wives. We have a number of copies here. It's okay if you have one on your phone. You can use that. But each person needs their own Bible. Anybody does not have one, please raise your hand. All right. One in the back. Uh, anyone else? Every person has one. All right. Do you want to come get this one, please? All right. He's walking this way right now. Thank you. All right. Everyone has one. Okay. As I'm talking now, I want you to find a song. I want you to find a psalm to pray through. It doesn't have to be, you know, the just the perfect one for this. Just find one. It doesn't have to be one of the psalms of the day. Uh, maybe you have a favorite. If you're praying God's will about something right now, maybe you want to pray through Psalm 25. Psalm 27 is a favorite of many. Psalm 37. Uh, don't uh, just try to find the perfect one. Psalm 23, of course, is very easy to pray through. Uh, just find one, and in a moment, when I say go. I uh, want you to pray now. You feel free to. You want to spread out. You want to go in the worship center. You want to go outside. Uh, I, I'll tell you when to come back here in a moment. But uh, if you want to sit in the corner somehow to isolate yourself a little more, most of you will choose to sit right where you are, and that's fine. I've done this with a thousand people side by side, and because everyone's focused and quiet, it, it works. But when I say go, I'm going to ask there to be no whispering. Even if there are a few people moving to other locations, no whispering, because if everyone's quiet and one person whispers at the front, you'll hear it at the back. So uh, no, no whispering. And also that way we can get immediately into prayer. We're going to have uh, just a, a very few minutes anyway, and we'll give you, um, let's see, we're to eat at 12, is that right? Um, 12, okay. So I'm going to give you uh, 10 minutes, which is longer than I normally do. But I'm going to give you about 10 minutes. Uh, when I come at the end of 10 minutes, I'll come back and call us in a prayer. If you leave, keep an eye on your time there. Um, so any questions? <clears throat> Each person is going to take a passage, pray through that privately, quietly, and then in 10 minutes I'll call us back. So girls, find a psalm. We're about to do this individually. And uh, any questions? Okay, ready, break. Well, I always hate to interrupt people when they're praying, but how did it go? How'd it go? Why was it good? Uh, no, was it you? Why was it good? Okay. Were you able to stay focused better that way? All right. When your mind wanders, as it will do, you've got something to come back to. The next verse, right? It's easier to stay focused. Very good. Someone else. How'd it go? All right. If it was good for David, it must be good for me. How'd it go? Yes, John. Okay. Okay. It's not stale. It's a fresh idea. Let me ask you to raise your hands on something here, and don't worry, I'm not going to call on anybody. But how many of you in this idea of fresh, fresh ideas? You, you prayed about things you normally wouldn't pray about. May I see your hands? I'm not going to call on anybody, so don't be afraid. Okay, it's most everybody. Prayed about things you normally wouldn't pray about. 
Um, no matter if you had a prayer list as big as the San Antonio phone directory, you wouldn't think to pray about these things. But they're on God's heart. And you pray about them because they're in the text. Now let me ask you to raise your hands again. I'm not going to call on anyone. How many of you do also prayed about the things you normally do pray about when you pray? All right, again, just about everybody. Yeah, that's your life. Your family, your future, your finances, your work or schoolwork, your church or ministry, the current crisis. That's your life. No matter how you pray, those things are going to come out. But you're going to pray about them differently when you pray through a passage of Scripture. So you'll pray about the things you normally do want to pray about. You'll pray about things you normally wouldn't think to pray about. So the freshness is there. Excellent. Someone else, how'd it go? All right, again, easier to stay on the track, easier to stay focused. And when your mind does begin to wander, well, you've got something to come back to now, the next verse. So easier to stay focused. Excellent. Someone else, how'd it go? Yes. You know that it's God's heart and God's mind, so you know you're in the right place as you're praying. You know it's important for you. Yeah. 1 John tells us we must pray in accordance with His will or He will not hear us, right? Can you have any greater confidence you're praying the will of God than when you're praying the Word of God? Excellent. So, on the other hand, I thought I saw it here, but Chris? It didn't feel like 10 minutes, and huh. it reminded me of God's attributes, the particular song that I was in, Okay. So, for starters, didn't feel like 10 minutes. It would be embarrassing, perhaps, to ask how, when was the last time you can remember praying for 10 minutes. But you did pray for 10 minutes, and you could have kept going, right? Each of you could have kept going. You didn't run out of things to say. You could have continued to pray, and that's why I said you just keep turning the page. If you have the time, you just keep turning the page. It's not the same old prayer. You don't repeat yourself. And focused on God's attributes, when you pray through Scripture, it's a more God-centered way of praying, isn't it? And that's a good thing, isn't it? It's not just, Lord, here I am with my list again. But it's a more God-centered way, even though you're praying about the same old things. You're praying about them in a more God-centered way. Very good. Someone else? Yeah, when you're praying Scripture, it, it's, it's teaching you things to say, and you're instructed from the Word of God as you're praying, and that doesn't happen when you say the same old things. You're going to be guided. You're going to be convicted. You're going to be taught. Uh, you're going to be enriched by the Word of God, and that doesn't happen when you say the same old things. Good. Someone else? In the very back. I think that when you pray along a verse of Scripture, it gives you more confidence about what you're praying. Or another way to say that might be you can pray with more faith in what you're asking about or what you're praying about. Mm-hmm. So that was a good thing. 
Yeah, when you're praying God's word, you have much more confidence. You're praying in faith. You're praying the will of God, and those things are necessary for answers. How much? What, what you? What could you pray about? What you'd have more faith and confidence than when you're praying the word of God? All right, in front of something. Yes. Ah, I was waiting on that. More like a real conversation with a real person, right? And that's what prayer is, isn't it? It is a real conversation with a real person. But we're not imagining God saying things to us. Away with that sort of mysticism of imagining God saying things to us. Because, folks, (coughs) this is God speaking to us. Right? This is God speaking. And like a real conversation with a real person, you let God initiate the conversation. That's called verse 1. And you respond to that. You talk to God about what He just said. And then, when you said everything you want to say, like a real conversation with a real person, what do you do? You listen. And that's called verse (laughs) 2. And that's God speaking. And then you respond to that. And you can have that conversation with God. He's willing to do that as long as you want. But we're not imagining Him speaking. This is God speaking. And it's much more conversational. Somehow we've gotten the idea that when we pray, everything is going to be said, we have to think it up. And since we don't have the time or the creative energy to talk about new ways... Uh, to think of new ways to talk about the same old things, we tend to say the same old things about the same old things. And that's boring. When prayer is boring, you don't, you don't feel like praying, do you? If you don't feel like praying, then you don't, you don't pray. But now, like a real conversation with a real person, it's no longer the sense of, okay, we're going to talk to God, so everything's going to be said. I have to say it. It's sort of this impression that, you know, God's up there. All right, here they come again. Here's the person comes again. All right, hurry up. Let's get through this. I got a universe to run here. You know, say it again. Go through that list again. I'll try to pay attention one more time. And we have this sense: not only are we bored by this, God is bored by this, but we don't know what else to do. It's what we've learned to pray. But now, just open your Bible. That's God speaking to you. Speak to God about what He says, and it's more like what prayer really is—a real conversation. With a real person. Yeah, I think um, I really appreciate this whole thing of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all had people we've talked to before in which it was really a monologue. They told us all about their life. They told us all about their pains. They told us all about their suffering. And we really couldn't wait to kind of move away from them move to someone else. And a lot of times I think we come to that with God where we're constantly just focused on ourselves the whole time. We can almost carry out this dialogue without even thinking about God. Yeah. He talked about how we've been in conversations where it's not really a conversation, it's a monologue. The other person talks, and you, know, you can't wait for that to end because they're only concerned about themselves. But when you have a conversation with God through His Word, it's, you know, it's a two way thing, and it's concerned about God, and you're speaking to God as well. And that's, the, that's what prayer is, isn't it? And this. this brings that into our experience. Theoretically, would affirm that, but it's in our experience when we read that and say, this is God speaking. And then I return and I speak, I speak to God in response to that. Um, 
it, it, it really <laughs> does seem like the most natural way to pray to me. God speaks. He speaks first. He has the authority. And then we respond to that. But it, it's, it's a more God-centered conversation than when we just bring our list. Lord, listen up. Here's my list again. Maybe if I say it enough times, you'll be impressed. Now, I talk to God about my needs, but in the context of who He is and His will. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, we're instructed through the Word when we pray Scripture, and we, our prayers are more biblically shaped and biblically informed. Just as you said, we're reminded it's His righteousness. It's not how zealously we ask for these things. It's earned by His righteousness, not ours. And so, no other way teaches us in prayer as well as gives us words to pray, then bring through Scripture. And it's so easy. You just open your Bible and talk to God. Very, very good. Anyone else? How'd it go? Yes. Well said. It's not just that it's more God-centered, but God's perspective on our lives. So we're focused on God more than usual, but then when we bring our requests, we see them in light of who He is and His will. And that helps us pray less flippantly, less selfishly. And we're given more of a worldwide perspective. Lord, I'm concerned about this, and yet this passage talks about His concern for the world, and so I'm reminded of of you know the the great commission for example when i'm also coming to him about this particular financial need in my life so it gives me that global perspective too and helps me not to be just self-centered in my prayers good 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 anyone else yes just how you're talking about that any feeling that we may have is in the psalms mm-hmm. and that david expresses those and that the one i was reading really spoke to me and really he talked about how the psalm he read just so clearly put into words what he was feeling. And as I said earlier, with if you'll take 30 seconds to scan five psalms, it is uncanny how one of those five will say what you're trying to say, will, will express where you are at that moment. It's just that's why God, not only the miracle of inspiration, but we have the miracle of preservation. God not only inspired all 150 Psalms, He has preserved them for thousands of years. And He's done so because the things that David prayed are the same concerns we have. 
we too will say, how long, O Lord, will I cry and you will not answer? Every believer feels that. And so God preserved that to be a divinely inspired and preserved way of expressing this universal expression. And the flip side of that is, sometimes we come to the song and we don't have this attitude at all that's in that song. Right. But we need that. Whether it's worship or confession or whatever that is. Uh, it, it informs us what we need to be. Corrects us. Yeah, it gives us the right spirit in prayer. Because we come, we're angry or we're selfish or whatever, and we're brought back. So we're instructed, you know, we're taught. Our hearts are guided, our minds are instructed in prayer, and that doesn't happen when you say the same old things about the same old things. Very good discussion. Someone else? read, truly, God is good to Israel. She was reminded how God has been good to her, and that truly that is so, and it causes you to count your blessings, we might use the old phrase there. And once again, that won't happen otherwise. So it gets back to your heart, gives you the, God's perspective uh, on things more. So you're, you're, you're discipled, you're taught, you're instructed, your heart is shaped. You know, you, you, just, you just grow through the experience in ways that does not happen when you check off, okay, I've gone through my list again, my mind wandered half the time, but I clocked in seven minutes, though I probably wasn't there mentally, but a minute or two. Well, you just prayed ten minutes, you could have kept going, and you were focused. Yeah. <laughs> it's only been two minutes. It feels like it's been an hour. Yeah. So I think that will actually encourage more prayer just because you're yep. like, there's not a bottom to it. Rather than right. being like, you know, going to the gym and being like, well, I have to hit three sets before I leave. Yeah. Excellent. This is great. Yes, sir. Yeah, the devil's strategy is to align God's character like he did with Eve. And as I was reading Psalm 86, all the Psalms remind us, Thou, Lord, art good, ready to forgive, abundant loving kindness to all that call upon me. So it pulls us back to the true character of God. Yep, when you come and you're downcast and you think God has forgotten you, this, you know, these things remind you. Maybe you're in there, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Hope in God, or I shall again praise Him. Um, how often do we come? We feel exactly that same way. Good, yes. This is kind of um, encouraging too, because the song that I picked, like the first two or three verses, it's like not how horrible the situation is, but then as it moves on, it ends. It doesn't just say, okay, I've got this list of problems. Can't you fix it? It's like, I've got this list of problems, but you are 
everything I need mm. and I can trust in you and that's mm. what you've raised me to be. Mm. Good. Yeah, how good is it to be, you know, have the truth reinforced when we pray because we'll come with a thousand different feelings, different requests. But when the truth is reinforced, you know, we come away stronger and encouraged from prayer. And that's cultivated through the Word of God, not just saying the same old things about the same old things. Well, if there, if you ever teach this to anyone else, you may not have you know a couple hours as I've had. You may only have thirty minutes, but there's two things you must do. Two things you must do if you teach this to anyone else. If it's children, if it's adults, if you have a long time or a little time. First and most importantly, give them a chance to try it right then. Give them a chance to try it right then. That's why I said the most important part of the day was about to come up. In other words, what you did. Because of that 10 minutes, and usually I only have about 7 minutes for people to try it. In my class at the seminary, I'll give them 20, 25 minutes and go outside and walk around. But uh, we had enough time for you to have about 10 minutes. If it hadn't been for that 10 minutes, many of you would have walked out of here at lunch going, that's, that's a good idea. That's a real good idea. I, I'll have to try that someday. And you never would. But because of that 10 minutes, many of you are hooked. Many of you will never again say the same old things about the same old things. All because you, you, you experienced it. And like riding a bicycle, you'll never Forget how. Which is one of the great things about this. Now that you've done it, you don't need those notes anymore to remember how, right? You don't need that handout to remind you how to do this. Because you've done it. So you don't need any other book. You don't need any other notes. All you need is you and your Bible. I've seen a few other books that relate to something like this, but they're usually a topical thing, a, a listing verses by topic. So, for example, if your problem is, is anger, here are verses to pray about anger. If your problem is financial, here are verses to pray about finances. And that's great, except you've you got to have the book that has them all collected for you. And you have to know, okay, what's my problem today? And I don't think that's real life most of the time. Real life is you just find a psalm, Start praying through that and talk to God about what's there. So simple. You just need your Bible. That's all you need. Second thing, if you ever teach this to anyone else, second thing you must do is give an opportunity for feedback. Give people an opportunity to talk about the experience. I always get the same comments. Always. 
It's, it's easier to stay focused. It's more God-centered. It's like a real conversation with a real person. All these things I get all the time, everywhere I go. But there's something energizing about you saying it fresh off the experience and people nodding their head as you were doing than me just telling you. So I will let you say what I know you're going to say and then I teach in response to that rather than just say it. So give people an opportunity for feedback and let them share uh, their testimonies and sometimes they're very encouraging. I was in Northwest Arkansas a couple of weeks ago and a man was in tears. He said, this is the best time of prayer I've ever had. For the first time in my life, I feel like I talked with God. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful testimony to hear in the church. Because I believe a lot of people feel exactly the way he felt. All right, so what have we learned here? We've said that when we pray, we tend to say the same old things about the same old things, right? We come at it the same old gray colorless ways. If it's praying for your family, you say the same old things, praying for your family. Now we've learned instead of saying things the same old way, by praying through Scripture, God has given us an unlimited number of ways to pray about the same thing. So instead of saying, Lord, bless my family today, it's Lord, shepherd my family, if you pray through Psalm 23. And there's something just different about praying, Lord, shepherd my family, than bless my family. Just the use of that biblical language energizes your prayer in a biblical way that just is different. And now you have learned that by praying through Scripture, you don't use the same words anymore. But it's not that they're just different words, though that alone was worth a morning, right? That alone was worth a morning, just not having to say the same old things anymore. But folks, we're not just praying different words, though that alone is worth it. The words we're praying are inspired words. There's a supernatural quality to these words. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit. They are life. These are the words we are praying, not merely different words. So when you pray, Lord, shepherd my family today, that shepherding imagery just energizes that prayer in a way that is, is different than just saying, Lord, bless my family. The next day you may pray that it manifests 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. The next day you may pray for your family that they would be meditators on the word of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing to pray for someone? But would you ever pray that in your life if you didn't pray through Psalm 1? The next day you may pray that they would manifest the fruit of the Spirit. The next day you pray that they would sense the presence of God wherever they go that day. It's still the same prayer, bless my family. And yet it's a different prayer by praying that same request through a different passage. At the seminary, at each class, we open it up with Scripture reading and prayer. But it's basically the same prayer, Lord, bless the class. How many ways can you think of to say, Lord, bless the class? But I do in every class, what I taught here, and we open every class uh, that I do through by praying through a psalm. I teach in the psalms of the day, and the last person in the room has the privilege of telling all the rest of us what the psalms of the day are which accomplishes two purposes. Number one, it teaches them all the Psalms of the day and yeah, it gets them there on time. Nobody wants to have to be the guy who has to tell everyone else what the Psalms of the day are. So I'll take one of those Psalms of the day, read a few verses from that, and pray for the class. And if it's Psalm 23, it's Lord shepherd us in this class today. 
If it's Psalm 51, Lord, forgive us for not always applying our minds to our studies as we ought to help us to do so today. If it's Psalm 139, Lord, we acknowledge your presence here in Norton 195. You are the teacher here. It's still the same prayer, bless the class. And yet it's a different prayer by praying it through a different passage. You can pray the same old things about the same old things and it's boring. You can pray about the same old things through a different passage of Scripture and it totally transforms it. So this is wonderful for any routine prayer, the table blessing, prayer at someone's hospital bedside, any routine kind of prayer. You pray it through a different passage of Scripture and it's just a different prayer. If someone just calls on you randomly to pray uh, you know, in a worship service or at the end of a Bible study, almost any verse that pops into your head can be like a launching pad into prayer. And it's so easy. <clears throat> Let me spend a minute talking about how to do this with a group. This group can be your family, family worship. It can be a Bible study group. It can be a church-wide prayer meeting. You have this on your handout, and think of these as good, better, and best. A good way is just assign a verse to each person and have them pray. If this is my group, I could say, you take the first verse, you take the second verse, you take the third verse, you take the fourth verse. Okay, here we go. And it's going great till we get to her verse. And her verse is, Lord, dash their children's heads against the rock and smash their teeth in their mouth. And she doesn't know what to do with it. So it can work great or it can be embarrassing to people if they just draw a blank. They don't know what to do when the verse has been assigned to them. Perhaps a better way is just to read the psalm aloud, Dad group leader, or have everyone read a psalm silently, and then when you pray, have them pray based upon a verse that impressed them. When I was pastoring, we'd have a members meeting. I still wanted to have a significant prayer time, and so what I would do is read one of the psalms of the day, or I would say, folks, uh, here are the five psalms of the day, but these three or so are the easiest ones to pray through. You silently read one of these three right now, and I'd give them a chance to do it. And then afterwards, I say, all right, now that we've all read our psalm, we're going to pray, and I want as many of you as are willing to pray aloud, and I want you to start with a verse that impressed you as you were reading. You don't have to tell us what verse it is. Just read that verse and pray. And that verse becomes sort of our diving board into prayer. And that works great until or unless they get off that verse. Then it begins to sound kind of like the same old things. So perhaps the best way is just you as the prayer leader call out one at a time as needed the verses or phrases that are the most conducive to prayer. So you pick and choose the easy ones and you overlook the difficult ones. So if this was my prayer group, I might read the psalm aloud and then I'd say, okay, folks, we're going to pray. And then I would call out phrases like the Lord is my shepherd. Almost anybody can pray something from that. Then when it's quiet, I'm going to call out another easy one. I shall not want. And I'm not going to throw out phrases like, Lord, dash their children's heads against the rock. and so. On. But I'm going to take the easy verses that almost anyone can understand. And what I've discovered is more people will pray when you do that. Their prayers are more to the point. They're more biblical and more people will pray. If it's a usual scene where we take prayer requests, okay, John lost his job, let's pray for that, Mary's going to have surgery tomorrow, and we pray, and one person prays for John, and he prays around the world for John. He prays everything you can think of for John, getting a job. And by the time he's done, there's nothing left for anybody else to pray. He said it all. 
And then someone prays for Mary, and it's the same prayer we prayed last week for the person having surgery last week. And by the time that person's finished praying for Mary, there's nothing else to pray. But when you pray, as I've suggested, the Lord is my shepherd. Someone, Lord, shepherd John to find a new job. Someone prays, Lord, shepherd those who are going to care for Mary tomorrow at this surgery. And then maybe it's quiet, I call out, I shall not want. Lord, John's going to be in want if he doesn't get a job. You said we wouldn't be in want. Someone else say, Lord, Mary doesn't have insurance. She's going to be in want if you don't provide. And the prayers tend to be more brief and to the point, and more people will pray, sometimes praying more than once, rather than just one person at length and another person at length. But, by the way, don't try this with a group until the group has done it individually. If I had said at 9.15 this morning, okay, folks, we're going to pray through a passage of Scripture together right now. Here's the passage. Let's pray. It might have been a disaster. If we tried it now, it would be a lot easier because you've done it individually. You have a better idea of what it would look like corporately. Now, corporate prayer is always more challenging than individual prayer. But I, I would suggest you don't try it with a group until the group has done it individually first. Well, I have my students read the biography of George Mueller. Many consider him the greatest man of prayer and faith since the times of the New Testament. He lived almost all the 1800s in Bristol, England. He had four internationally known ministries. Today he's best known for one, his orphanage. In a time in Dickensian England, when to be an orphan was to be Oliver Twist, he would feed, clothe, house, educate orphans. There was no government safety net to speak of. And he cared for as many as 2,000 at a time, over 10,000 in his lifetime, never making his needs known to anyone except to the Lord in prayer and by implication through his annual reports. He would issue an annual report saying, we prayed this day and his our God provided. We prayed for this, his our God provided. And so people knew he received gifts uh, by means of these annual reports. That's how the ministry was, was sustained. People gave money to the ministry, but he did not ask for that money. And God funneled over half a billion dollars in today's money through his hands, over 50,000 specific recorded answers to prayer in his journals, over 30,000 of which he said were answered the same day or same hour that he prayed them. I calculated recently that's about six prayers every day for 50 years. Think of that. If you had six prayers and any one day of your life answered, you would think it was the greatest day of your life, right? He had six every day for like half a century on average. Well, George Mueller said that for 10 years into what he called his life of faith, not when he's a nobody, he's already known around the world, the great man of prayer and faith that prays for the orphans. He says his habit was after getting dressed in the morning, he would pray until breakfast. And it sometimes took him half an hour to an hour before he got into the spirit of prayer, he said. And only then did he really begin to pray. So he said for 30 minutes, for an hour, he would try to pray. He would try to pray. And I, I liken it to trying to crank an old lawnmower in the spring. You know, that was his, that was his heart. Ran, ran, ran. He cranks on that thing for 30 minutes for an hour. Okay, run, 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 run. okay, all right, I'm going now. I feel like praying. And only then, he said, did he start praying once he felt like it. What do we do? Five minutes, seven minutes, our minds wander half the time. 
But he would stay with it until he felt like praying. That is, until he said he made one slight alteration in his prayer life. And what do you think it was? Yeah. He started doing what you just did. And he said, once I started that, I scarcely ever suffered like I did before. And we tend to think of Mueller as a man who could spend hours on his knees. And, and he could do that. But what he most often did was take his Bible and he would walk the perimeter of the property of those eventually five large orphan houses. They had the five large orphan houses and then the property where they would grow food and so forth. And they had a, this low brick wall. And he would walk the perimeter of the property praying Scripture behind this low brick wall. Then it got to be that the people would come out to watch the great man of prayer and faith pray. Well, it gave him the willies just like it would you, you know. So <laughs> build the wall real high, and he walked behind this wall praying through Scripture. And he said, once I started that, I scarcely ever suffered like I did before. That's how Mueller prayed. And Charles Spurgeon, that British Baptist preacher of the 1800s, who's a hero to so many of us, said somewhere, we ought to pray when we feel like it. Well, I began by saying we don't pray because we don't feel like it. But Spurgeon said we ought to pray when we feel like it because it would be terrible to remain such in such a condition. But he went on to say we ought to pray when we don't feel like it because it would be terrible to remain in such a condition. <laughs> Did I say that right? We ought to pray when we feel like it because no, it would be terrible to miss such an opportunity. It would be terrible to miss such an opportunity to not pray when you feel like praying. But it would be terrible to remain in such a condition <laughs> if you don't pray when you, you don't feel like praying. Well, you get up in the morning, let's say 7 o'clock, you go to pray, you don't feel like it, cheer up, you're normal. You know why you don't feel like it? You're sleepy. You have been thinking of God for the last six or seven hours, you've been dead to the world, right? We don't wake up with our hearts immediately on fire for the things of God. I mean, I run into door frames when I get up. You, know? <laughs> you get up, you don't feel like praying, cheer up, you're normal. But the good news is you are not subject to those feelings. God said to Jeremiah, Is not my word like a hammer and a fire, a hammer that breaks hard hearts, a fire that melts cold hearts. He says His word is like a hammer and a fire. You get up, 7.05, you begin to pray, you don't feel like praying, cheer up, you're normal. The good news is you can take the fire of God's Word and plunge it into your cold heart so that by 7.05, just like by 10.55 this morning, you begin to feel like praying. So you don't feel like praying? That's normal. The good news is you can do something about that. And you can take the fire of God's Word and plunge it into your heart. You begin to feel like praying when you pray through Scripture. And having done this almost every day since the 1st of March of 1985, I can say there is nothing in my devotional life that more co consistently kindles my consistently cold heart in prayer. I pray through Scripture. I almost never feel like praying when I go to pray. But I can take the fire of God's Word and warm my heart with it so that I begin to feel like. Well, as we close, uh, take your Bible. Look at Acts chapter 4 while I tell you about these other two. On the cross, Jesus said seven brief things. <clears throat> brief because he had been beaten nearly to death. 
Brief because he's so thoroughly dehydrated. Brief because to get enough air in his diaphragm to, to speak, he had to push up on those, you know, his entire body weight is hanging on those three spikes. He had to push up on that spike in his feet in order to get enough breath in his diaphragm to speak. And indeed, to hasten death, they would break their legs just like they did with the two thieves. And so they couldn't push up and they would asphyxiate on the cross. They, they couldn't breathe. But the longest of the seven brief things that Jesus said was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is the first verse of Psalm 22. And what's Psalm 22 about? Psalm 22 is prophetic about the cross. There are more details, <coughs> excuse me, are more details about the physical aspects of crucifixion in Psalm 22 than all four Gospels put together. Two of the four Gospels simply say they took him and crucified him, period, and go on. But Psalm 22, he says, my tongue cleaves to my jaws. We know he was thirsty. They can count all my bones. Well, they crucified them unclothed. All my bones are out of joint, says when they would drop that cross beam into place, often their bones came out of the sockets. My heart is melted like, like wax. We know John reports that when they put the spear in his side, the serum had separated, blood serum. More physical details about the crucifixion in Psalm 22 than all Gospels put together. I'm convinced that when Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was praying through Psalm 22 on the cross. Now, to some degree, that's speculation. But we know this. We know he prayed the first verse. And we know why he spoke briefly. I'm convinced as he sank back down, he prayed through Psalm 22. He was literally fulfilling that passage at that moment. So I believe he was praying through it. And at the end, he prayed, Lord, into your hands, I commit my spirit. From Psalm 31, Jesus prayed the Psalms. Then in Acts 4, Peter and John had been arrested. They'd been threatened. Verse 23, when they had been released, they went to their own companions. They went back to the church. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Some translations have the last part of verse 24 in small capital letters or quotation marks indicating some scholars believe it's a quotation from Psalm 146. But regardless, let's go on. Verse 25. Who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? Second half of verse 25, all of verse 26 is from where? Psalm 2. This was the place it says, And after they had prayed, the place was shaken. The early church prayed the psalm. George Mueller, maybe the greatest man of prayer and faith since the New Testament, prayed the Psalms. Jesus prayed the Psalms. Go thou and do likewise. And it's so easy. Question? Comment?
Yes. So I was curious, you talked about um, praying through narratives as opposed to praying through songs and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, what about the law? Well, that's why I said once having prayed through Scripture, I'm confident you can pray through any part of it. Now, the more you know about the Bible, the more Christocentrically you're going to see it. You're going to see the law you know, it's pointing to Christ. But whatever comes there, I mean, it's going to be you've learned now to turn it Godward, to pray about it. Lord, what does this mean? Or Lord, let me show me how this is fulfilled in Jesus. Now, a lot of the easiest place is going to be the Psalms. It's going to be a lot easier. The law is going to be perhaps the most difficult place. But it's not impossible. Yes? Well, if it's, it's a husband and wife, for example, or, or two friends... It may be best just to, um, my experience has been just each kind of, what you do privately, you just kind of do it out loud. You just, each of you goes through. Maybe I might pray the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, thank you for being my shepherd. And then my wife prays the same thing. Lord, shepherd us in this. She prays for shepherding in ways I didn't think to pray about. And then when she finishes, then I just pick up at the next phrase that prompts me. Maybe she prays the same phrase. Maybe she skips that and goes to the next verse. Either way, I think it'd probably make more sense for the same passage, but it could be done either way. Good question. Someone else? Yes? So say you have a group of people and you're praying through a list of prayer requests. Yes, that's a good question. I forgot to mention that. Uh, I have used prayer lists and not used prayer lists. Most of the time, I let the text just suggest my prayer list for that day. But if you find your omitting some things you might want to use a prayer list but this still works so i go through the psalm the lord is my shepherd who in my prayer list needs shepherding i shall not want who in my prayer list doesn't want so i think you you can certainly integrate it um it, it, sometimes it's more challenging than i just made it sound but that's the idea of you know how does that work and and then of course it can be beneficial to on your prayer list to list passages of scripture to pray for that particular person or need problem is after a while that can become the same thing even if you're praying the same text now i also did mention sometimes people say what about the model prayer you know the model prayer is mentioned twice in the gospels in one place it says when you pray say giving us justification to pray it as is but in the other case it's more clearly an example and we know that's the way that the apostles took it because there are a number of prayers in the book of Acts and the epistles, and none of them are repetitions of the model prayer. So they didn't understand it as a prayer they must always pray as is because none of the other prayers in the New Testament reflect it. But it is a model prayer. And if you pray through Scripture, you will pray the elements of the model prayer. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, as we already said several times, when you pray through the Psalms, it's more God-centered. You're, you're praying Praise to God. You're praying a God-centered prayer following the model of Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. So you pray through the scriptures. You'll pray 
the same elements of the model prayer. Maybe not all of them every day, but you'll, you'll generally do that. 